10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. It's Monday and it's that time. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Late Late Show with me, Shaniqua Edwards-Haid. Diabetes, how is it managed in schools? Do you know the difference between type one and type two? I've got Davina Jean-Jacques and Darren Isgi with me to discuss everything diabetes related. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. It's that time again. It is Monday and it is the Late Late Show with me, Shaniqua edwards Haid. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Liz Truss, who is in the race for leader of the Conservative Party, has this week focused on education. Ms Trust, a former Minister for Education and Children, has repeatedly said that children are failed and let down by low expectations. She has pledged to drive up the quality of maths teaching and aims to give working parents access to childcare around the school day. Miss Trust has also stated that she will follow through on government plans to change staff to child ratios for young children, bringing England into line with ratios in Scotland. She said, my six-point plan will ensure our education system gets back on track by giving every child the tools they need to succeed. Through a laser-like focus on improving maths and literacy standards, we will make a real difference to children's lives and by giving families greater choice and flexibility when it comes to childcare, we will also save them money.
families are now able to apply for a school uniform grant of up to £200 per child per year, depending on your local authority and individual circumstances. It is a government-run scheme and the grant is non-repayable. Andrea Knowles, a budgeting expert at vouchers.co.uk, explained that the highest grants available to families in England is £150 per child. But this could increase up to £200 depending on personal circumstances. In Wales, the grant is up to £200 per child, up to £150 in Scotland and up to £67.50 in Northern Ireland. However, only 27 out of 149 English councils offer this grant. So parents will need to find out if this includes their local authority. This can be done on the government's website. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to briefly discuss gamification as an idea you may want to try in the future. Gamification is when you design a learning experience in a way that resembles games that young people play. There have been lots of studies into gamifying and a quick internet search will give you some good ideas and further reading. Here I'm just going to present a few ideas I've found to work for me. Before you start, like anything new, you'll need to consider the extra time it's going to take to use gamification and decide whether it's worth it. A basic gamification method is to simply use a game as a theme for your planning. Using a game like Minecraft, for example, hugely popular with younger pupils, the phases of lessons can be split into sections and characters or places in the game can be used to present objectives. Putting this into an understandable scenario, in Minecraft you need 12 eyes of ender to create an end portal. For a topic over a half term, you create 12 challenges in line with your objectives. For each challenge do pupils achieve an eye of ender. Once all 12 are achieved they can complete the portal and cross to the end. The downside of this is what do you do with pupils that don't get all of the eyes of ender? Will they be demotivated or do you make the content achievable for all? Obviously you run the risk of not engaging all pupils but that goes for any method you try. For older pupils this could be based on a popular TV game show. In the past I've based revision lessons on catchphrase. It took a lot of work to create images that represented computing concepts but the lesson was fun and was just different. You have to remember pupils will sit through a lot of presentations in their school career, so a different lesson from time to time can be quite refreshing. Another idea is using badges. These are best applied to tasks that need to be done. For example, awarding badges for digital literacy needed to access content on your school's virtual learning platform, like a completing and uploading homework badge, a badge for responding to feedback. Badges can be made easily in a graphics package and are really a modern digital form of the good old certificate. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear what you're doing or planning to do. Why not get in touch with your top tips at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you are doing to gamify your lessons. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. It has been a little while, so to catch you up, it's currently the summer holidays for me. A lot of teachers were on our summer holidays, yay! Um, sorry to those of you who are not, because as we know, I remember talking to some of our prison educators who have holidays at different times uh but currently i'm on mine but i'm doing something a bit different my friends will know that currently can i i'm a bit crazy i'm currently spending some of my holiday working uh i have got a little summer job um so it tells you a bit about the living crisis but (laughs) i have currently got a little summer job where i'm doing a bit of receptionist work at a beauty salon which is completely different to being a teacher um but it's nice to interact with people um i'm getting myself ready <laughs> i know my friends who'll be listening know what i'm about to say for my birthday my birthday is coming up not until the end of august though so <laughs> if any of you want to send me any birthday presents that would be amazing no i'm joking i'm joking um <laughs> but if i take us to today's show 
I have got a few guests with me today and I'm excited to have them on my show. Uh, Darren, I can see that you have said you keep cutting out, so you might want to log out and log back in and it might work. Um, but so we'll start off with Davina because I have got Davina Jean-Jacques, I've got Genevieve Benjamin Mannix and I have got Darren Izgi. So I'm going to ask Davina, if you could just introduce yourself, please. Oh, hello. Sorry, you say my surname so well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have been a children's um, nurse for just over 10 years um, and have specialised in diabetes for the last six years. Um, and I work in a kind of local um, London hospital. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, so you've got a great bit of expertise today. Expertise today. Um, which would be lovely. Um, can I go over to Genevieve, please? Hi, Genevieve. Oh, Genevieve. Hello, Genevieve. Can you tell us who you are and introduce yourself? And, you know, tell us how you're linked to diabetes in this sense today. Uh, so my name is Genevieve. I was uh, diagnosed with diabetes when I was eight years old. So sadly, I went into a coma after going to doctors multiple times. They didn't pick up on it until I was in a coma. And then I went to Great Ormond Street and then they diagnosed me with diabetes. So I've had it for... 20 years now wow thank you so actually hearing from you will be really great because you have experience of it in school actually so thank you and Darren are you there hey I'm here sorry can you hear me yes I can hear oh, you Darren perfect. I was having some trouble with my earphones sorry sorry about that um yeah That's so fine if it's out Darren if your earphones do just take them out don't worry yeah I've totally disconnected so I'm just using speaker yeah um, so similar story to Genevieve, really. I've been uh, type 1 diabetic since I was 12. Um, so I was diagnosed in 2003. Um, I was ill for about a week um, and then went to the doctors, had the, the standard finger prick test and uh, clear indicator at 31 millimoles, which is basically very, very high for those that don't know. Um, and yeah, I was in hospital for a week as well. Wow. So actually, it would be really great to hear from both of you, um, especially your school experiences. I'd love to hear about that. This is quite a different topic for me. And I decided to go for it. I myself don't have diabetes, but actually, it's something that I feel like in the education world, we don't discuss enough. I feel like as teachers, you know, you only really ever focus on diabetes if you have a child in your class with diabetes. I get it. You've got a child in your class, but there's so many other children in the school. And I feel like we should, it's something we should really know about. And actually, I was quite inspired. And I especially chose this because I have this best friend. <laughs> and uh, growing up, she had type 1 diabetes. Honestly, growing up, I don't think I knew much about it, but I would see how well she'd manage herself. She was great at just self-managing and medicating and getting everything you know together and actually throughout school uh you know in secondary school I've teachers just left her to just get on with it which in a way I was like wow she's so independent but actually we have to remember these are still children and actually they need all the adults to you know look after this child you know no child should be treated any different as well we're actually Sometimes I feel like, oh, maybe she was treated a bit differently and not in a good way. And actually, if I <laughs> take it to that best friend, hello, best friend, are you there? <laughs> wonder if she's there. Are you talking about me, Shan? Oh, of course, Darren, <laughs> of course you're one of my best friends, of course. Um, oh, sorry, I thought that was for me. Hi. <laughs> that was got a bit awkward. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but, uh... I know it wasn't me, it's fine. <laughs> Um, but Genevieve, do you know what I'm talking about? Like all throughout school, I would just see you just doing your own thing. It's quite amazing. Like, were you helped? Do you feel like you were helped in school? Not really. I would say I had a special um, experience because I quit when I was so young in primary school and luckily the TA um, had diabetes, oh, sadly for her, but luckily for me, she had diabetes um, and nobody in my family in the UK has type one diabetes. I have a cousin in America. So for everybody in my family, nobody really knew what to do. So it was nice to have a teacher who had first-hand experience. Mm -hmm. And as Darren will be aware, when you have a hypo and at different ages, it changes. So when I was yeah, young, yeah. a hypo for me, I was crying and I couldn't speak. And I'm very vocal. I talk all the time, but when I had a hypo, I shut down. I couldn't, I didn't say a word. I would just cry. 
but she knew this like as soon as my head went down um, before I'd even my papers even get wet with tears the TA knew that I was having a hypo and it really helped and gave my mum a lot of confidence that I was okay in school so primary school okay secondary school absolutely no support left up to oh and can we we are gonna go on to talk about secondary school and actually I feel like actually Davina and I mentioned that uh, a while ago about secondary schools and actually educating everyone in secondary schools because actually that's where I find that there's a lot of members of staff are all of them trained. So we are going to go into that Genevieve but actually I feel like we need to bring it back to what actually is diabetes. Um, Actually there's more than 4.9 million people in the UK who have diabetes but what actually is diabetes? So Davina I don't know if you're there I was going to add in, but yes, if you could, uh, yeah. What is diabetes? We we have two different types. Well, so we have more types of diabetes, um, but we mainly see two types in um, in children and young people. So I think the one that we're mainly focusing on at the moment is type one. And that's probably the one that um, the majority of educators will see. Oh, so I'm really sorry. I don't have headphones. I'm on loudspeaker at the moment. No, I don't know why. I don't know why. But just shout into your phone. That's fine. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> I'm shouting. Can everyone hear me a bit better now? Yeah, that's. Oh, I can better. see a few people saying you're just you're quite quiet. But yeah, if you just shout along, Davina, it's fine. I Technology. Will shout. I'll shout. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry. Um, so you, you have type one diabetes, which is the one that we mainly see in um, in schools. Mm-hmm. And that one is um, an autoimmune um, condition, and that is when basically the body attacks the cells, um, and that eventually stops the production of insulin in the body. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yes. With type 1 diabetes, it means that they have to give insulin via an injection or an insulin pump. Mm-hmm. Okay. So type 2 diabetes, we are starting to see that more often um, in younger people, okay? Um, that is not autoimmune, okay? So with that, it means that the pancreas is still producing insulin, it's just not producing it as effectively, okay? So yeah. someone with type 2 diabetes, it means that they may need to have um, kind of changes to their diet um, and have more exercise implemented and possibly later on, if that does not work, then they go on to insulin. Okay, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. That and actually, I have noticed that I've been reading a lot about that. That actually, type two is starting to become a lot more common with actually younger children. But so far, I think if we're focusing on children in schools, type one is the one that's most common for young children. If I'm correct, yep, that's correct. So you'll see type one more often. Lovely. Okay, this is all making sense. And can I just check? So, um the if i look at darren and i look at genevieve do you both have type 1 diabetes and was that when were you diagnosed i think genevieve briefly mentioned um darren yeah so yes mine's type 1 so um it was brought on around november time so it sort of started off with like i had sort of like a cold or a flu and they say that um you know, developing type one diabetes can be a knock on effect from like, you know, trauma or having a, a novovirus or flu or something like that. So, um, yeah, so type one for me, uh, I was 12 years old, so I'm 31 now. So I've had it, okay. had it a long time. Okay. Thank you for sharing. And Genevieve, if I take you back again, sorry. Yes, so I'm a type one uh, diabetic as well. And I was diagnosed when I was eight years old and I too have had it for a long time. Oh. See, see, and yeah, <laughs> I've had it for twenty years. Oh, I think mine's no. nineteen. I've I've got it tattooed on my leg, but I can't remember the year. What it's uh, two thousand and three. So I'm not that good at maths, but I think you've won. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you're surrounded by teachers. I I was just thinking. So you've told me what's diabetes. We've kind of gone over the different types of diabetes. Now I keep hearing these words hypose and hyper and actually I know that Genevieve mentioned it at the beginning she started talking and she mentioned that Davina do you mind going over 
hypos and hypers. And then Genevieve and Darren, you can add on. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, so with a hypo, so anything that's hypo is low. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that is anything that is below four millimoles. Okay. So 3.9 and below is your low blood sugar level. Now, what to do in that time and how to, to spot those symptoms. So this is when you have to really speak to your young person and find out what their symptoms are because everybody experiences hypos very differently. Mm -hmm. The most common are things like feeling dizzy, blurred vision, feeling quite shaky. For younger children, they may complain of having a bit of a tummy ache or feeling hungry you may also okay. see a change in their personality as well so any any of those changes um they may look quite um like their eyes are quite teary and quite starey and a, a a loss of concentration so if you see all of those you get the young person to check their blood sugars or to scan or check their sensors. There's a lot of technology now in diabetes. Mm -hmm. If their sugars are below four, so 3.9 and below, they need to have fast acting sugar to bring it up. And I, I emphasize fast acting sugar. Mm -hmm. Skit and food does not suffice. You ah, proper glucose to get into the bloodstream to bring that sugar up as quick as possible can i ask what would be an example of this so i mean this changes over the years i mean mm. um i think uh, the older type ones will probably kind of know things like coke lucasade um, mm -hmm. but we've changed that now when we've updated it to things like dextrose tablets okay um, and um, glucose, um, glucose juice and glucose gel. So it's your pure glucose. Okay. The ones tend to use jelly babies. They have quite a high sugar. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't normally advise that, but, um, you know, we always just say use what works, but try to stick with fast acting sugars. Okay. Fast acting. And can I ask, should these be provided so should if a child is diabetic should they be bringing in their fast acting sugars and should they be kept in school somewhere so for example in a classroom obviously i know you're not in schools directly but do you think it should be kept there or um you know yeah, yeah. so it should always be in school to keep that child safe there i mean most children if they're a bit more um independent they might have it on them mm -hmm. however it's always good to have a backup in school Glucogel is also a really good backup because if they're having a really low blood sugar and say their personality changes and they're not taking any of their, their drink, they're gritting their teeth, then glucogel is a really good um, treatment that you can use because you just rub it into the gums and it brings the blood sugar back up. Okay. Wow. Wow. You're really educating us here, Davina. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm just wondering, can any of you relate over there, Genevieve or Darren? I was going to let Genevieve go first, but <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I, I, do you know what I remember about being at school? So from the age of like 12 upwards in secondary school, uh, I always used to carry around love heart sweets with me. You know, the, the ones that had the little romantic messages on. That's probably why I never had a girlfriend in school, because I, I just ate them all whenever I had a loaf <laughs> rather than giving them out. But, um, but yeah, no, it doesn't really, um, Davina will probably back me up on this. As long as it's fast acting, like she said, like I was going to say jelly babies, love heart sweets, glucose tabs, glucose gel. It really does have to be that fast acting sugar. Not it, Some people might even think, oh, chocolate, chocolate's great. It's sugary, but actually, because it's so fatty, it takes a while for that to break down and then for the glucose to enter the bloodstream. So it really is important that you've got that like backup sweets. Like um, it's easier to find sweets than it is to find glucogel or glucotabs, which is I think mainly sold in pharmacies. Um, but yeah, I think if the teachers can have in their drawer, you know, like a couple of uh, packets of love heart sweets or a few bags of jelly babies, like it's so worth it. Like if even if every classroom just had it, um, 
it, it definitely helped you know what I mean thank you thank you Darren for that and Genevieve I've I've tried almost every sweet thing going so I've had the glucose tablet um the glucose gels what I currently use now and apple juice when I was younger I used to eat the chocolates and I hated it I was never a big fan of chocolate and it didn't really work for me and then I had used to drink the Lucozade but then the sugar tax came in so now no. I drink apple juice or glucose um gel but I agree with what Darren said definitely if a teacher it, it, it makes a difference if a teacher could hold on to that for you for me mine were in special places within the school grounds but if it's a big school it's a long walk to go over to like the matron's room to get it so if a, if a teacher was nearby and had something for me if I had run out that would have made a big difference oh I, so can, actually, I, can I just add something yeah. with uh, sorry on, yeah. I just wanted to add something on behalf of like students because when I was young often um, I mean you get this when you're an adult as well and it's usually when you're you're, you're a glucose level tends to drop quite quite severely um, is that you sort of try to hide or deny the fact that your glucose is low you, do you sort of know what I mean Genevieve like you sort of think you're okay and like people will say you're right and you say yeah I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but actually you're not and when you haven't got access to that glucose it is the worst feeling in the world because you can feel yourself plummeting you can feel yourself deteriorating like your personality starting to change you're getting a bit anxious and erratic like so it's important I think that the students know that the teachers have it so if 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 you're a teacher and you're going to buy the glucose and keep it in your drawer that's amazing but let the student know because if that student hasn't got sweets on them or they're in a panic and they're shaking and they can't get to the bottom of their bag to find it if they can just let you know um or if you can see their sort of if they know that you've got it that makes them a lot more comfortable speaking from experience um so i mean i don't know if i mean like i just said they, they're probably not comfortable to speak out and say you know I'm, I'm having a low especially with other students around so maybe um i don't know if, if tutors can implement something where they like laminate a piece of card on one side maybe it says i'm having a hypo or i feel low you know they could maybe put their hand up and the teacher will see that immediately um do you know what i mean small things like this that that i didn't really think of when i was a kid um i mean i had a, a toilet pass that my student uh, my my tutor made me not that i ever used it but yeah you know things like that that would really help like small things yeah, yeah. No, and I believe um, actually reading earlier from quite a few people who tweeted me earlier, um, you know, there's a lot that's been put into place nowadays. And actually, for those of you who are following at TT Reggae 2022, you would have seen that I posted a little question and we had a little poll and I asked teachers, do you currently know how to support a child with diabetes when at school? And I asked people to elaborate and let me know. And actually, 56.1% of people said yes today. 29.1% um, said no. And 11.1% said I did a few years ago. And 3.7% of you were just being nosy and wanted to see the answer. And actually, if I look at some of the things that people said, and Tavina, I might ask you to, you know, let us know if there's anything that's maybe you're like you agree with or you're shocked with or you know want to elaborate on um if I just choose a few um someone said diabetes nurses would come in and brief us whenever we had a child in school with diabetes we knew what signs to look out for and what to do on one school trip to France I even had to give an insulin injection at 2am being instructed over the phone so thank you Carl Smith for that um we have Miss Santa who said I worked for the NHS prior to teaching otherwise I wouldn't have had a clue which is really interesting. Um, someone else over here um, said, yes, but my spouse is type one, so I have many years of experience with diabetes. I love chatting with kids about what pump and test kit they use. I think vital aspect is the mental health aspect. To be diagnosed is a huge thing to come to terms with as a kid. Tina, <laughs> is there anything that you can relate to or you know, you've heard or... Um, but no, I think a lot of that is um, is valid. Um, we do try and get to as many schools as possible. Um, what I can say is that um, we are having um, increasing numbers of newly diagnosed type 1 diabetics mm -hmm. in the last two years. Um, 
and that has made it a bit more difficult for diabetes teams to come into schools Mm. Um, but what I would say to that is, you know, if you're not getting that education and you feel that you need that support, please reach out to your local teams. Um, there's also some really good resources on um, JDRF. So that's the mm-hmm. Juvenile um, Diabetes Research Foundation. They have um, a dedicated schools page and they have... Um, an online teaching, which is actually um, CPD accredited for teachers. Wow, There's I didn't know this. And the schools that I have asked to carry out um, these teaching modules have said that it's been absolutely fantastic and it's prepared them for looking after children with um, diabetes. So please seek out those um, resources. You can also order um, schools packs which kind of go more into the psychological side of diabetes as well, because I know that that can be um, a huge impact. And I really believe that school is the main place that kind that can influence, um, you know, a child's psychological well-being with diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're struggling, contact your local diabetes team. A lot of them also have psychologists in their teams. Um, and they can tap into that and they can give you advice on how to kind of, you know, um, work around, you know, their lives, really. Um, but also going back to what Darren was saying um, about hypos and just having, you know, some glucose and things like that. It is important to know that that particular child in your school or class, what are their what are their symptoms? Mm hmm. Because actually, you might be able to see them going low before they even, you know, have the confidence to say something. It's it's those little things that that mean a lot to that specific child. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. You just told me so much. I'm like taking notes of all of these things because I just think it's it's so important. And actually, if I think about it, if I'm being very honest, um, you know. I was only trained quite recently um, to to help how to help support a child with diabetes, and that was because they were going on a residential, and um, I was the adult to go with them on the residential. So then I was put on this online training, and there, yeah, all this little training. But then I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to it. And I thought, but wait, this child is a member of the school that actually more of us should be trained on this. And I know it's expensive, um, but actually you know, I'm sure it's worth it. Well, actually, um, I spoke to a teacher today on Twitter and I saw that she tweeted, um, Teacher to Talk Radio, and she mentioned that there were two children in year six in her um, in her school uh, with diabetes type one. And she made sure that the whole school was trained and understood. And actually, she was just like, so anyone can deal with those children and make sure that they're okay. And I thought, oh, that's great. That is you know, a great community, because if I, if we think about it, I think some people forget that diabetes can affect a student's learning. You know, diabetes can affect a child's learning because it can cause difficulties with attention, memory, processing speed and perceptual skills if it's not managed. And so actually it's really important that a child's supported at school so they can manage their diabetes and get the most out of being at school. And even if we look at some children with diabetes will have more absences than other students. But this won't be the case for every child with diabetes. But if they do take time off for the hospital appointments or feeling unwell because of diabetes, you know, it's really important they don't get penalised for this. Especially, I know as we get to year six and I know there's stress and all of that, but I think these are things that we just need to remember. Uh, But I had a bit of a discussion today on Twitter, if I think about this, and it was about whose responsibility (laughs) is it to look after a child with diabetes? And I've said it's everyone's. You know, it's a parent's responsibility to tell you that their child has diabetes as soon as possible, uh, to keep us up to date with what's going on and medication. You know, if I look at how Darren and Genevieve were talking and they said that they had to, you know, manage their medication and they knew it, knew about it. But I also feel like, you know, let's take it back to some of the teachers. We need to notice things. As Davina just said, we need to know the signs and symptoms of the children in our class and the children in our school, to be honest. So um, you guys have really got me thinking at the moment. So I'm just thinking, how is it managed in and out of school? And actually, the psychological aspects of diabetes, as Davina just said. So 
if I take it back to Genevieve there and the psychological aspects, you mentioned secondary school and I stopped you. <laughs> Tell me about your secondary school experience. Uh, it was hard in secondary school. Um, it was a big difference from the support I had in my primary school because for the most part, most teachers knew in my primary school and I had the support of my peers. So um, I remember when a new teacher started in my primary school and she saw me eating chocolate and she tried to say something and take the chocolate away. And then a student jumped in front of me and was like my superhero. I was like, no, she's a diabetic. Leave her. She knows what she's doing. But if that was in, sec- in secondary school, it's completely different. There was one other... Um, teacher that had diabetes um and when I was in the older years that's when I sort of spoke to her more and she had a pump so I asked her about it and she hated it she said it's the worst thing she ever did and at that time my my uh, doctor was trying to get me on the pump pump and I told them I was like no 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 my teacher said this is terrible so I'm never gonna do that so then I didn't go on it and they'd been trying to put me on the pump for years and I never went on the pump till I was until I was past my 20s and they'd been trying since I was in secondary school to get me on the pump. But because of what she said, I was really reluctant. And then also, I was only diabetic, like, in my year. I think there was one other girl that was a diabetic in the school, actually, and she was in the year below. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't really speak, so there were just wasn't really much support. And then I remember there were some incidents at, like, lunchtime um, where I had joined lunch late so by the time I got to the canteen, there wasn't anything, there wasn't much to eat, very little options. And I, it wasn't much and I didn't like it. So there was nothing for me to eat. And I would tell them like, I'm a diabetic, I need to eat something. And they'd be like, well, this is it or there's nothing. And then I went to the matron, wow. there was no help there. And then I remember after that, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. Make sure I get to the canteen on time. And on a few occasions, and I've bought my lunch before and I've put it down on the table, turned around to like put something in my bag and then my lunch is gone. Can't find it. Someone's taking it. And I, again, I tell the um, the food people that are serving the food, I'm like, I just bought this sandwich and my food is gone. Um, and I wasn't of the age that I could go outside and buy food. So I had to get it from the school premises. There's nothing they could do. Went to the matron again, nothing I could do. And I think on one occasion I'd already taken my insulin for my lunch. Um, so then I just had to wait. So I had a hypo and then I went to the matron and told her. And then I sat down and ate Lucas, had Lucas Aiden biscuits for my lunch. There was because there was nothing for me to do. So when I think back on those moments, that's really sad and I feel bad for myself that I experienced it. But mm. yeah, there wasn't any support at all. If I wasn't feeling very well, I'd have to find my way over to the matron's room and explain to how I was feeling. And the matrons there were like friends of staff. I didn't really feel like they were uh, medical professionals. So it was more just for a chat, informal chat. They couldn't really help me if I really, really needed um help and especially as because of the diabetes I used to get sick quite a bit um I might just had a really bad tummy all the time so I did take a lot of time off school as well sometimes but there was there was just no support just left to my own devices wow Davina does that shock you hearing that because I'm a bit shocked it's sad. It, does, it doesn't actually shock me mm-hmm. uh, I, I find uh primary schools really do such an amazing job um and they you know they really kind of take on the child's diabetes communicate well with the parents and you know they they couldn't do more Mm -hmm. and then i find that we're we have to do a lot of work in terms of the diabetes teams in getting them prepared for secondary school yeah because I find in secondary school, and it depends on what school, some schools, um, especially that we kind of um, cover, where we have 10 kids um, with type 1 in that school, and, you know, they're quite educated in it, and they'll try and give as much support as possible to those children. But where there are schools where there's one or two or no children, I find that they tend to go, it's fine, you lived with it this long, you can deal with it, it's your responsibility. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I just think it's more about the, the education. Yes, I'd agree. Yeah, it's just about the education. And, you know, it's about us as diabetes teams as well. We have to keep, you know, reaching out and saying, no, you do need training. You need to be able to support this this child. And um, I do believe it's getting better. I like to always put a positive spin on things. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Getting better. Um, you know, we have been doing a lot of work in secondary schools. 
But, um, you know, it's stories like that that kind of inspire you to want to do more in schools because that that's what affects you. That's what I find can really dictate whether a person kind of embraces their diabetes. Um, mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. I agree. And it, sure, it makes me sad. But actually, after seeing some of the results today, I can see that, you know, lots of people don't feel like they're educated and actually i have noticed from seeing some of it that you know taught having discussions today that there's a lot of secondary school people who mention that and i know secondary schools are much larger there's you know more children so there's a lot more to think about so if i take it darren how was your secondary school experience um yeah so Dang. similar uh, so i wasn't i wasn't diabetic at primary school unfortunately so i can't relate to to you guys as primary school teachers but um same with genevieve at secondary school my tutor she was great she was aware that i was diabetic and you know she she laminated me a toilet pass and and so on if i ever needed to you know because you go frequently in class um but there wasn't you know, this wasn't passed on to my maths teacher, my science teacher, uh, my PE teacher, even you think with obviously physical education, um, sport can obviously lower your glucose. Um, so they weren't aware. And it's just, yeah, it's shocking. Like I remember one time I was in maths. Um, we had an awful, awful teacher. I'm, I'm sure she was a witch still. But anyway, I was... Um, no teacher slander <laughs> here. <laughs> no, no, no. She, yeah, was, she was sweet, but she was evil at the same time. Um, she had a go at me for eating sweets when I had a hypo. But if she'd Aww. have known, then, um, then yeah, you know, she, I, I wouldn't have had to feel like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. And, you know, I quickly put the sweets back in my bag and, and felt like that I, I shouldn't be doing it. But really, I should. Do you know what I mean? So definitely, yeah, yeah in, in secondary school, there doesn't see, but obviously I'm going back to, you know, the early 2000s. Um, it, it, hopefully it's going to improve. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it has improved. And actually, you know, I am in school, so I feel like, you know, I can see progress. I can see progress. And I think that's why it's important. We're having this discussion right now. Um, so, you know, progress and making it there. But I noticed throughout, some of you mentioned pumps, and all of this, Davina. What are they talking about? Yeah. I heard, I heard something about a pump and all of this, and, and I know sensitive injections. Can you tell us what happens? So, um, usually, when they're um, when somebody with type one diabetes is um, newly diagnosed, um, when they're above the age of five, they um, will be on injections. Okay, mm -hmm. and how they manage this? I mean, it, um, nowadays is that they count their carbohydrate content because okay. that is what affects your glucose levels. That's where you get your energy. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So, <laughs> I know it gets a bit <laughs> confusing. No, no, I make it. I'm, I'm like, yes, go on, you've got this because I'm learning, <laughs> and we're all learning, so it's great. Exactly. So every um, type one diabetic um, is taught to count their carbohydrates and give insulin on the carbohydrates they're eating but also if their blood sugars are high hyper then um they will give themselves a correction dose which is to give extra insulin to bring their sugars down to the target range between four and seven and that target okay. has changed as well over the years but that is because they do carbohydrate counting Okay. okay, so once we go to carbohydrate counting, we usually um, then encourage children and young people to go on an insulin pump. Okay, the mm -hmm. reason why I said from five upwards is because when they're below the age of five, we tend to put them on insulin pumps straight away. Okay, okay, yes. So what a pump does is it's technically classed as an artificial pancreas. Oh. So that is, we set the pump to give insulin every few minutes into the body. And we set it, and it's all fast-acting insulin. So the idea of the insulin pump is that it gives somebody with type 1 diabetes a bit of their life back. It makes things a bit more manageable. It also should help match the insulin requirements a bit better. So when somebody's on injections, the smallest amount of insulin they can give is half a unit. However, yeah. sometimes 
that's not always the case that they need that. They may need uh, more minute doses. And a pump can give as little as 0.025s of a unit. So very, very tiny. Sorry, I'm not a mathematician, so I probably said that completely wrong. No, it's fine. It's, fine. <laughs> it's basically micro, micro doses. So the idea is that you're reducing hypos and you're reducing high readings so that you're able to give them um, a better glycemic control. And also, <laughs> it's when they're on injections, they basically have to wait two hours before eating. But on a pump, it gives you that freedom of snacking again. Ah. And so those little things we really take for granted. And when you see someone who's a type 1 diabetic who says to me, oh my gosh, Davina, I'm on a pump and it's changed my life. It's absolutely amazing. The technology is fantastic these days. Um, and I'm sure, Genevieve, you're on a pump, so you'd be able to kind of go into that a bit more. Yeah. Yes. Genevieve. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. It makes a world of a difference. Um, as I said earlier, when I asked that teacher, and she was like, no, she hates it. She regrets her decision. She was completely wrong. Um, I've been on a pump and I've even been upgraded to the pump that doesn't have any tubing now so it's just sticks on my arm and you can't tell that it's there I've got even more freedom and it's really tailored to me specifically as an individual so when I'm on my period I have a specific insulin cycle that I have if I'm stressed um, I have a different insulin cycle when I exercise I have a different insulin cycle it's called something else but just so you guys understand what I mean. It's all tailored to me, um, which I love and does make things a bit easier because I don't have the best relationship with diabetes although I manage it. I don't think that positively of it. It's been a really hard, long adjustment, um, especially as I'm a twin. So it's a constant comparison of knowing like what normal life looks like and what my life looks like being like a diabetic because it affects everything. Hmm. Oh, well, do you know what, Genevieve, I appreciate your honesty with all of this. And I know that there'll be people listening, appreciating and actually, you know, sometimes I, you know, I see teachers and I myself feel like, oh, that child is really managing really well. Like they know how to do everything. But actually, it's like what someone tweeted earlier, you know, it really affects children. Sometimes we forget that this is a lifelong condition and it really does affect them in all kinds of ways. So Genevieve you've been amazing you have been amazing and actually uh, like I said earlier very inspiring I actually felt inspired hence why I've decided to you know do a show today about um, diabetes because I've seen how it has affected you um, and yet you know you were if I take it back to Genevieve and went to school together and she was the only one in our year group with diabetes and she still did her thing she made it count and even when we had a teacher telling her something else. <laughs> she, you know, she was just doing her thing. So well done, Genevieve. Well done. <laughs> Genevieve's blushing over there. I know she's blushing. <laughs> and Darren, Ken, how, what, what did you use, you know, when you were in secondary school and what are you using now? So I've always been on um, what they call a basal bolus scheme, which is basically just two different types of insulin injections um so the basal i always get this mixed up so Devin, please correct me if i'm wrong but the basal insulin is a background insulin so yeah, if i decide that for a few hours i don't want to eat then that background insulin will keep my glucose levels stable over a, i think it's like a between an 18 to 24 hour period but then on top of that throughout the day when i do eat i will take my bolus injection which is a faster acting one that is um it's active in the body for for four hours um so yeah but it's similar to the pump whereas like so the pump will will deliver a very very small amount of insulin over the course of the day i think every few minutes like davina said um but then when you eat you just um put in how much carb you're eating and it will give you that extra dose whereas i take one background insulin every 24 hours and that will keep me going for the next 18 hours or so and then top up again, you know, whenever I need to take a correction dose, which is when my glucose levels are too high, or for when I need to, um, you know, when I'm eating, so breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, or, or any snacks. Thank, thank you for sharing. And actually, can I just ask with the insulin, I believe, is it cold insulin is kept in a fridge? Am I correct? <laughs> Am I correct? So once, I don't know what I'm talking about. 
I'll let I'll let the nurse answer in case. <laughs> Actually, let's see if I'm right. I think one if it's in storage, then obviously it should be kept in the fridge. Once you open the injection and pierce your first needle onto it, then it can remain out of the fridge for up to two weeks. But then it doesn't have to be put back into the fridge once you've taken it out and started using it. Okay. Nurse Davina, do you agree? <laughs> Mark me out of 10. What did I get for that? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I will say an, an eight. <laughs> okay. Nurse Davina, can you go on? <laughs> <laughs> and you did well Darren it's just because I think where you're older you probably go through your insulin a bit quicker sure definitely the yeah do, the younger ones don't use as much insulin um so it, it's maximum 28 days once you start using it and it's in room temperature okay oh. Oh. Yeah, it's 20, but obviously when they're older they get through insulin much more um quickly so they they don't even see the 28 days so yeah you were correct darren sorry oh so that was a 10 then i won some oh. jelly babies hey <laughs> babies yes <laughs> i love this i love this thank you guys um and so actually i'm going to slightly take it back so i'm going to do a bit of talking now we're actually i actually want to talk to some of the teachers and just anyone who works in the classroom and I want us to think about the actual general responsibilities in class so I'm just going to go over a few things that actually we could be doing and I think the first thing and the most important thing is that we need to remember that each child's diabetes is different and you have a responsibility to treat each child as an individual I think it's also important to remember that hypos can affect a child's ability to concentrate and can cause changes in behavior so hypos or hypers can cause children with diabetes to misbehave which is something they can't control. So it's important to remember this when it comes to disciplining a child with diabetes. We also have to remember that a child with diabetes will have to go for checkups with the healthcare team at the hospital. Like I said earlier, their attendance shouldn't be penalised because of these appointments. And I think that's something to think about when I know in some schools, and we've discussed this before, attendance awards. When you're giving out attendance awards, these children, they can't help it. We listened to Genevieve earlier, and I'm sure Darren had the same, where there'll be days where they had to be out of school. They had hospital appointments. Should they be penalised because they have to go to appointments? So it's stuff like that you have to think about. Um, but your school's medical conditions policy should be clear on how these appointments are entered into the register. Um, if a supply teacher is covering your class, so important, they'll need to be told that a child with diabetes is in the class. Uh, your school's medical conditions policy will explain how a supply teacher is told and who should do it. But if you don't know anything about this, it might be your responsibility to just do this. So always check. Um, actually, supply teachers, uh, Darren and Genevieve, ringing any bells? Was it the same for you or it was all good? Um... Do you know, what? I don't really recall having many supply teachers, actually. Maybe that's because I'm so old now and my memory's going. Um, okay. But I think with um, with all teachers, I was I was quite shy still because they didn't know. So I don't think for me it would have really made a difference whether they were a supply or, or my regular teacher. Because um, okay. I was always quite quiet and shy and, and sort of hid it. Um, and plus they didn't know. So when oh, there that's was a so supply. weird though. That they, sorry, it's just so weird that they didn't know. Well, now I would say it's a big thing. But I think the, now rules are a lot yeah. stricter. Like rules yeah. and regulations are all in place now. But, yeah. yeah it was oh. very, I think it's very different back then. But I, did, I didn't have a hard time. Don't worry. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> okay. Okay. And Genevieve? Uh, I don't think any supply teacher I've ever had knew I was a diabetic. But oh. again, luckily for my primary school, the students knew um, and most of the teachers would have known anyway. So if there was a random supply teacher or a new teacher that saw me and they thought I was doing something I wasn't meant to be doing, then a child or there was a teacher there to correct them. Uh, secondary school, I mean, the supply teachers were, no offence, the supply teachers I had were completely rubbish. So wow, like, there was a lot of bad things going in the class, so they wouldn't really notice me correct I was talking about my hypo. So. <laughs> <laughs> Genevieve, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Great school, great, great school. <laughs> if I could really say my secondary school, I would. No, no, we're not. Anyway, and we keep going. <laughs> and PE school trips and other extracurricular activities. Now, this is a big one. And 
I see it discussed often. And I just think a reminder, a child must never be excluded from a school trip, PE or any other extracurricular activities because of their diabetes. So if you are taking a child with diabetes for PE, or if they're playing sports for the school, then you must know how to treat their diabetes before, during and after. And they also need somewhere safe to store their diabetes equipment, which is something you really need to think about, especially, like I said, secondary schools. It's very different. In primary school, like, you know, you're in one class. You know, it's quite small, our schools, but secondary is something quite big to think about. And if you're arranging a school trip, you need to make sure you plan how to, you know, make sure that your child with diabetes takes part. It should be part of your risk assessment. And for longer trips, such as residentials, you'll need to meet with the child, the child's parents, Schools, trained members of staff, and the PDSN. PDSN. What's that, Davina? <laughs> uh, that's the paediatric diabetes nurse. That's me. <laughs> Yay! I was hoping you're like, yeah, that's me. That is. <laughs> yeah. So with Davina, um, to agree on the support and care required for them to take part, and actually only allowing a child with diabetes to take part in an extracurricular activity or trip if one of their parents or carers accompanies them is not acceptable practice at all i know it was something that once upon a time was okay it's actually not okay um so hopefully both of you darren and um, genevieve got to go on residentials i hope i definitely did my mum made sure i did everything and anything i wanted to do she wanted me to have a normal life so i did i went to pendaren and i went to bude and when i went to pendaren and my primary school, my mum came into the school, sat down with the teachers, but because it was local, my mum was very friendly with the teachers. So it was a bit like going on holiday with like your aunt or your uncle. Like I paid attention to them, I listened to them and they just cared for me. Like I was a family member, which was really nice. Okay, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And Darren? Uh, my story's a little bit sadder. So <laughs> I'm starting to sound a bit uh, pessimistic. No. But I, so sure. I, again, because cause I was quite, you know, um, insecure about the diabetes and I didn't want to be away from home. I was worried. I always avoided school trips. Um, I can't really remember how I got away with it. I think, you know, I think it was a choice in secondary school if you wanted to go or, or, or um, if not, but yeah, I, I always avoided it just, just for my own comfort. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's a good thing because it, you know, sort of reduced my chances of, mm you know, panicking and going into hypos because I'm, I'm climbing a mountain or, you know. Oh, but if you could now, would you have? Maybe, I'm not sure. I was just cracking on with yeah. my homework, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, but, that's but that's it. We, I, I hope teachers are listening and just members of staff in schools because actually, as you can see, it affects, you know, these are now adults. And it has affected them. But obviously, they have good memories as well. But also, I think some teachers don't realise. And that is why we definitely just all need to be educated on all of this. And actually, as I look at the time and I'm like, oh, gosh, we are nearing the end. I'm just going to ask Davina, Genevieve and Darren, would you like to share one final point related to anything that we've discussed or diabetes or just something, one thing you feel like should be shared or you'd like to share so if i start with darren and then genevieve and then davina if that's okay uh yeah sure darren, so I'm, on the spot now. I'm repeating myself a bit so, so like i said at the beginning yeah. i think if i can just get any point across and i'm relating this to asking myself what would i have wanted from from my school you know all those years ago and it would probably be that um you know have that support Maybe if every single teacher knew, then I would feel more comfortable, even if I didn't ever actually need their assistance. The fact that they know that, you know, there might be something wrong. I'm having a hypo or I need to take insulin. I don't have to, like, sneak into my bag and feel like I'm getting into trouble because all of those things affect you later on in life, your, your psychology, uh, psychology and everything like that. So just, yeah, have the sweets in your drawer, jelly babies, love heart sweets, uh, glucogel, glucotabs. Uh, have that in your drawer, maybe make them up a little toilet pass or a pass that says I've, I feel low and they can just hold it up, um, obviously, if they feel comfortable to do so. But, yeah, I think just just by doing that, you know, implementing those two, um, those two things will definitely help that child feel better and you, you, you know, contribute towards healthy life for them. Thank you, Darren. Genevieve. I would kind of piggyback off what Darren said. Um, I think 
thinking of my own personal experience and more so secondary school if if it was possible I think it'd be really good to have like one individual person assigned to a group of people that have diabetes or one student um just knowing that you're not alone and there's someone in that huge school that you can talk to and they're an adult and you can get support with and understands diabetes would make a world of a difference even if it's just explaining like how I felt that day um it would it would help or knowing that I could just run to this teacher because um they've got the things I need if I I'm, I'm having a hypo because for me I had a matron who didn't know anything we would like talk about shoes or something if I wanted to <laughs> whereas if I had someone that was a bit more supported in that it would it would have really really helped although I had my sister she was not in every class and she could have been across the whole school so it would have been hard to find her and I probably would have got in trouble and trying to talk to my sister going into her class so having someone dedicated to me would have really helped my school experience or and someone making sure that I ate that would have been like number one making sure that there was always food for me even something simple like having options um at the lunch hall just waiting for me and if I didn't buy if whatever I didn't buy you know was offered to the rest of the students not that it was all held back but at least that I had an option because I didn't always have that like not every lunchtime did I eat because the food was all gone or someone took my lunch um so that yeah having making sure that I eat would have been helpful Thank you, Genevieve. And Davina, the floor is yours. (laughs) No, so what um, they both said is so valid. Um, And then I'm just going to kind of spin it again um, Mm. and kind of move it forward. Yeah. In that a lot of our children now are actually, I say children, some of them, we go up to the age of 19. Yeah, yeah. So they're not actually finger pricking anymore. They're using devices now um, that are in the back of their arms. They're called Freestyle Libras. They're Dexcoms. They are continuous glucose monitors. And actually, the biggest issue we're having is those companies are all going towards the mobile phone. Oh. And I know that's a big thing in schools. But yes. If you can, please let them use their mobile phone as a medical device. Mm-hmm. Because they are not finger pricking anymore. A lot of them have these sensors that are attached to their phones that tell them when they're low, tell them when they're high, um, and and that's really important. So I think that's kind of the next thing moving forward is that everything is going towards technology now, and how can we implement that into schools without you know those difficult discussions. Wow, that thank you because actually, hey, Tavina, I'm looking at the time, but I was like, that's even a no because no because I'm like that's a great discussion that I feel like I need to add on to that at some point. I might have to you know make that into a poll poll of some sort because actually that is great information and actually you are right. Um, you know I'm seeing these used a lot these devices and they do need a mobile phone, but the mobile phone is like you said, it's medical equipment. It needs to be used. So thank you and. I'm just going to take you, before we end now, those of you who listen regularly, you know how we like to end this show. And I like to end it by getting to know my guests a bit more. You've been so great. And I can see people have commented and people have said that you've all been very informative. And Davina, oh my gosh, you've been so informative. I've learned so much. So I want to learn something else from you now. And I want to learn who is your favourite fictional teacher um your favorite fictional teacher um just to let you know i'm so sorry because i don't think i said this earlier to Vina. miss honey is now banned she is banned <laughs> um sorry miss uh, honey? Miss... oh no miss from matilda oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah she's banned oh do you know what she's used a lot um, but also, she's too nice. We had a bit of a discussion one day, and she, we said maybe she's a bit too nice. In 2022, people were saying that. But let's take it back a bit, and I'm going to start off with I'm going to go to Darren, then Davina, then Genevieve, if that's okay. So yeah, Darren. I think I've got a really good one. Um, okay, go on. Darren. So I would hope that they, a, a teacher wouldn't behave like this in primary school or secondary school, actually, or any school, as a matter of fact. But I'll probably have to say, uh, and for those of you that watch in between us, you'll probably know who I'm about to say. But Mr. Gilbert, you know Mr. Gilbert, ah, oh, the, uh, he's the tall guy. He's hilarious. He's incredible. I won't quite quote on any of his sayings, but um, yeah, he's a funny guy. Yeah, definitely, I'd have to say him. 
Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's a new one as well. That is a new one. And actually, did you know that he was actually, the actor who plays him was actually a teacher? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. He's part of the teacher crew. Uh, Davina, back at you. (laughs) I keep changing my mind. (laughs) Initially, I had Doctor Strange because I like how crazy he is, but he's a bit mean. So (laughs) I changed it to Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act. Ah, yeah. Technically, a real teacher, but when she did go into that school, they were singing, dancing, believing in themselves, inspiring. Um, and yeah, I love it. <laughs> love it. No, thank you. That is a great one. I might even watch that tonight. That is a great film. And she was a great teacher. Mate, she had, I can't remember her name in the film, but Lauren Hill, who wasn't trying to sing, and then she was singing, and it was amazing. And whoo, oh, happy days. What a great. <laughs> A great one. Can and, we sing that before the end, please? Oh, oh, happy days. Oh, oh happy. Right, that didn't oh, really love it. <laughs> and let's end with Genevieve. Um, so I recently watched the TV series Abbott Elementary. So, <gasps> one. so good. And, yeah, and the teacher, Janine Tegas. I had to Google it to be sure. Janine <laughs> Tegas, I like her. She actually reminds me of you, Shaniqua. She really cares oh. about students like everything she does is for them yeah she's funny she's- yeah do you know what she reminds me of me as well because she's funny and I thought oh I'm funny or my my class tell me I'm funny that's why I think I'm funny um but <laughs> thank you Genevieve so I just want to say a big thank you to Davina Genevieve and Darren I know it takes a lot to share your experiences and Davina I know you're so busy and you've taken the time today you've represented your sort of amazingly I mean you do a great job and just thank you so much for educating helping to educate um a lot of teachers listen to this and a lot of uh school leaders and just school communities so this will really help so thank you thank you so much thank you thank you for having me no Davina can I ask if anyone wanted to reach out and find out more information how can they contact you can they follow you on twitter yeah you can i mean i'm new on twitter so you can follow me i think my name is davy jj on there okay um so yeah and also just to you know if you do need any more support as well remember those resources jdrf diabetes uk schools resources and your local diabetes teams but i'm more than happy to answer any questions as well thank you thank you so much and Darren and Genevieve, I'm sure, I think, Darren, if people wanted to share more information, what can they do? Yeah, likewise, definitely. I mean, I'm not a specialist okay. and I'm, I'm not, you know, a doctor or a diabetes nurse, but um, I've got 20 years experience. So if you if you need any, like, experience, help or, you know, ideas or just for, like, advice and stuff, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, to chat and stuff as well. Um, I use Instagram. Uh, so my Instagram name is C-A-N-D-A-R-I-Z, but it's probably easier if I just type it here. Uh, so anyone's welcome to give me a follow and, you know, any any help you need with uh, specifically type 1 diabetes, um, yeah, give me a shout. Okay. Well, thank you. Genevieve, I'm not going to ask you because I know you. <laughs> so, I know Genevieve, Genevieve's not going to give. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much, everybody. Um, I look forward to those of you who will be listening in a fortnight. I'll be discussing tattoos, piercings and teachers bit of a controversial one i hope you have a great rest of the week enjoy the sunshine bye everyone you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio